appointed by any human authority, but by Jesus himself. So Paul identified himself as writing the letter. He also identified himself as the apostle that had some authority over this church. What Paul would do, he would go around, he'd start a church in a city, in Galatia or the Philippi or wherever. He'd start a church, he'd raise up a pastor, and then he would move on. He might be in some towns a couple years, three years, whatever, or, or shorter, and he would, he would move on. And, and Galatians is, or Galatia is in the heart of modern-day Turkey. Now, Paul probably wrote this letter around A.D. 49. So you're looking at, what, 16 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And, uh, and so uh, he wrote it right after him and Barnabas had been on a missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts 13 and 14. But here's what happened. And I told you this last week. Right after Paul left the church in Galatia, some, some Christians who were not doctrinally sound came in behind him. And, and they, they came in and they started saying, listen, we know what Paul said, but Paul's not right. He thinks he's right, but he's not right. He betrayed the Jewish faith. Here, here's the deal. You, you've got to become a Jew first. You've got to, be, you got to get, get uh, circumcised before you can be a Christian. Well, that, that would definitely stymie membership, y'all, uh, because you're a baby when you get circumcised. But, uh, you know, and so basically what they're showing here is there's two brands of Christianity. There's the Jewish kind of brand the, where you've got to be good enough. You've got to go out and perform and keep the law and do all these things. And then there's the grace brand, the tree of life. And, and uh, we talked about those two trees, you know. The tree of life uh, is illustrated by freedom, by peace and joy. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is very rigid. And, uh, and, and, and you feel like you're on a hamster wheel. How many of you have ever tried your best? And it just, you never felt like it was enough. Anybody? I mean, somebody? Come on, be honest. And so that's what's happening. So we're going to look at that. It goes on, you know, even today. It's very easy to swing on that vine back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and try and live up to God's and others' expectations. And you just heard Tommy, that's the guy's name, talking about that on the video. But isn't that, he did a real good uh, showing of how we often feel, though. Because we just can't do good enough. And, uh, and so I promise this gets better, so don't get too depressed here. But So, uh, you know, so some people, that's, that's, that's what happens. So uh, we're going to look at this. Look with me in Galatians. We'll just go ahead and get to the good stuff. And uh, so Paul is writing this, and he said, Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Now, this is Paul talking about Peter, right? The rock, okay? And he's going to confront Peter. And, uh, and so what had happened is Peter had been hanging out with all the Gentile Christians. In, in, in Galatia, there are all these people are getting saved, these Gentiles. Just so you know, Gentiles are me and you, okay? People who aren't Jewish are Gentiles. And, uh, and so they're getting saved. And then Paul explained, here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come. Now, that's like they today. We always talk about they said. Certain persons, that's the they. He said earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. So Peter's hanging out with the Gentiles. But this is, but when that conservative group, that's the group from Jerusalem came, the ones that were saying, hey, you got to get circumcised. You got to be, you got to basically become a Jewish person before you can become a Christian. When that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back 
and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. And so here he's, he's been hanging out with the Gentiles, but when these guys came from the home office, okay, he had to behave a little different. He had to behave a little different. And, and so Paul confronted him on that, and Peter later on changes. When you read First and Second Peter, Peter's got a different attitude about it. But he said, Paul goes on and said, that's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch and the, church, the Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. And, and so here he's, he's talking about what had gone on. You had these Judaizers coming in and trying to put them back under the law, put them back to where you've got to do things to be able to be saved, not just receive Jesus. Totally different than what Paul had been teaching. Now, we're not saying that doing things is bad, so don't hear that. But, but when you're living in the tree of life, you do those things because you want to. You do it out of delight, out of joy, out of, out of thankfulness, not because, oh, man, i got to go to church. Got to go to church. We get to, we get to go to church. So, how, so we're going to kind of look at tonight, how do we keep from going back to our old way of living? How do we keep from going back to our way of living? For, one, for some of you, that old way is a legalistic way of doing it. I tell people I'm a recovering Pharisee. I mean, there was a time when I, you know, if you weren't living it exactly the way I thought you ought to live it, you know, it, it wasn't good, you know. And so, uh, but others, others is just going back, you know, going back to the old life is just outright sinfulness, you know. And, and so we don't want to go back to either one of those. Sometimes we'll find ourselves, maybe you can identify with this, Maybe you start out, you're having a good day, right? And then you cross the GNO. I mean, you got your praise music going, K-Love, life songs. You're singing, you know, uh, worship music. I mean, you're about to raise your hands up. And somebody will blow the horn at you uh, when you're at an intersection. That's all right for you to blow the horn at them, right? I mean, you know. And the other day, I was looking down, and the, and the light turned green. People left, and Pastor Kathy said, now you're the one sitting here at the light. And I said, well, it's all right for me to do it. It's not all right for them to do it, right? And so, you know, uh, but, you know, it, how many of you have gotten in the flesh real quick? Like, I mean, you got your praise on. I mean, having a good morning, and, and somebody either waves at you with an international peace sign, uh, or they blow their horn, or they cut you off. You know, Pastor Kathy always told me, said, you know, before you give them the ugly look, it might be a church member, you know. I mean, and, you know, just, you know, and, and so I heard about a pastor one time. He had a, he had a guy behind him blowing his horn, shaking his fist, and, uh, and, and, and he finally, he, he got mad enough, he just waved him around, and the guy came around, rolled his window down, and said, got gotcha, you, pastor, got gotcha, you, pastor. And uh, it was one of, his, one of his main volunteers, you know, uh, said, don't y'all do that to me. Uh, but God does work on me in traffic. But, you know, we, we, it's easy to get back to that. I mean, we can, we can be having a good day. And, and, or maybe, maybe if it's not driving, maybe you're in the grocery store, you're at Winn-Dixie, and you've got, you know, this happens to me a lot. I'll go in there. I mean, you know, ladies, I know y'all don't do this, but if, Kat, if Pastor Kathy says go get milk, I'll go get a thing of milk, and I'm leaving with milk, okay? And, and so I'm not leaving with a cart, and I'll be in line, I'll go to the five and under line or whatever, you know, and there'll be somebody with 25 things. Anybody? Y'all love that, right? I mean, maybe that happens to you. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, but there's things that, 
that'll just cause us to play Tarzan and come right back over to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil where you just go back to that old way of thinking. And, uh, and so if that's you, if any of those hits you, tonight is the night for all of us who struggle with living in the tree of life or going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So let's continue in Galatians here. And we're going to go through the whole book of Galatians for the most part. But uh, in chapter 2, verse 16, reading in the message, it says, We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is addressing the people that came behind him and said, You've got to keep these rules. Paul is saying this. He said, I mean, he's real plain. We're not set right with God by rule keeping. Guys, let me tell you, you'll never be good enough to earn it on your own. There's nothing you can do. Matter of fact, the Bible says our best is like filthy rags. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short. The Bible says the wages of all of our sin is death. And and so he says we're not set right by rule keeping, only through personal faith. In Jesus Christ. Not even coming to church is going to set you right. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what we talk about every week. We want you to have, just like I'm friends with you, you're friends with God. You have a relationship with Jesus. You have invited him to come into your life, to be your savior, to fill you with the presence of his spirit. He says, so it's through personal faith in Christ. So how do we know? Paul said, hey, we tried it. He said, and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Let me tell you, the Jews had it down. The Pharisees built rules around the rules. You had the ten, and then the Pharisees built hundreds around the ten commandments. And he said, we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Then he said this, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. I see people every day trying to, well, if I can just be a little bit better. A little bit better, God. And, 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 and if you're doing that out of gratitude to God, that's one thing. But if you're doing that hoping that God is going to love you more, let me tell you something. When somebody's willing to die for you, they love you as much as they can love you. You need to understand that. And, and, and so he says, no, no human can please God by self-improvement. So we believed in Jesus as the Messiah. So we might, set, so we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Doesn't that set you free? I don't have to clean up and come to Jesus. I can come to Jesus. He'll clean me up. You see, I hear so many people, well, I'm going to straighten up, and then I'm going to come to church. No. You come. God will straighten you out. God will wash you clean. Look at, at verse 19. He said, what actually took place is this. This is Paul talking. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. Let me ask you a question. If Paul couldn't do it, do you really think you can? I know I can't. I don't even have to know Paul couldn't, but I know I can't. I mean, but if Paul, we're talking the dude that, I mean, had a vision of Jesus. He got knocked off his horse. He, 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 he wrote most of the New Testament, and he said, Hey, here's what really took place. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it just didn't work. Didn't work. He said, so I quit trying to be a lawman so that I could be God's man. We want to be God's man. And there's a tension. There's a tension between 
living in the tree of life and, and living in the knowledge of good and evil. See, what, if I'm in, living in the tree of life, I'm, I'm living for the Lord. I'm doing all those things that a lot of people over here are doing trying to get his favor. But you know why I'm doing them? Because I'm so thankful I'm not over there. Because I'm so thankful I'm not going to spend an eternity in hell. Because I'm so thankful for the forgiveness that he's given, for the blessings that he's given me, for what he's... And, and, and there's a difference. There's a difference and there's a tension. We're always tempted to swing back to that wrong tree. Matter of fact, it's kind of like a Tarzan movie. I think there's a vine that goes between them. You can just kind of swing. Sometimes... You ever been on a rope swing or something and you swung and you didn't get quite far enough to get off the thing? We're just keeping on going back and forth sometime. And we don't want to do that, but, you know, so, so listen, you know, I mean, even in our wording sometimes we get back on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, we talk about, well, spiritual disciplines. What's that sound? Does that sound like fun? No. I, I like to call them habits. Let's develop some habits. But, you know, we, the words we use even, even sound like they're over here sometimes. It says, go on with Galatians. I, I like this next verse because really this is the key to living the Christian life right here. Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. He said, I've been crucified. He's been put to death. He's put to death. He said, I no longer live. It's no longer my sinful desires that live. It's no longer my anger that lives. It's no longer my lust. It's no longer my immorality. It's no longer my greed. It's no longer my bad attitude. I've been crucified. I've put that to death. And it's no longer I who live. And he said, but Christ lives in me. You can't live a Christian life. I can't live a Christian life. Jesus can live it through us. Remember hearing a guy one time, he's a professor. I can't think of his name now. Uh, I remember his face, but... He was teaching, and, and he got in a bad situation. And he said, okay, Lord, your guy's fixing to get embarrassed here, you know. And, but he was trying to live it on his own. And, and, and you've got to come. When you realize we can't, we can't leave it, live it on our own, we've got to allow Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit to live it through us. Then we can live the Christian life because he's living it in us. He said, but Christ lives in me. Look what he says. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave, loved me and gave himself for me. You see, we don't, we don't live the life ourselves. We live it through faith in the Son of God. That's living the crucified life. I mean, it's a principle that, that you know, we, we've got to allow God to live in us. We've got to allow God to live in us. And, and for that to happen, something has to die. In Matthew, Jesus was talking. And, uh, and it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, I want you to listen. Up to now, the disciples were like all the rest of Israel. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to be a physical conquering king that was going to come kick Roman, the Roman government, back to Rome and free Israel and restore Israel to like they were with David, where they ruled the world. I mean, they were rulers under David and Solomon. And that's what they were looking for. They were looking for that, that physical emperor to come in. And, and so here Jesus comes and says, look, we're going to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. 
And, and look at this next line. I mean, this is funny to me. I mean, you've got to laugh sometimes when you read Scripture. Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Are you kidding me? Peter, you saw him walk on water. You saw him raise the dead. You saw him heal the sick. I mean, he could make you a greasy spot. I mean, what are you going to rebuke the creator of the universe? I mean, think about that. I mean, you got to look at that and go, Peter, what were you thinking? And then he said, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have the mind in the, in, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Man, that's not what you want to have Jesus tell you, is it? And so you see, we've got to have the mind of Christ. So Peter had what had happened? Peter swung back over here to this tree. I love Peter. He gives the rest of us hope. One minute he's saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm going to build the church on you on this confession. And then just a few minutes later. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's like Peter's just swinging back and forth on that vine. But uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, I want you to circle deny. He must deny himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. Those three things, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, that's what we got to do. Something's got to die. My desire's have to die. I've got to crucify those things. He said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Guys, when we lose it for Jesus, when we give it to him, we find life. We find life. If you want to find your life, if you want to live your life to the fullest, that rich and satisfying life that John 10, 10 talks about, we've got to lose what we want, then we'll find it. We've got to lose our desire. So we're living the crucified life. Now listen, if we'll learn to put to death some things in our life, there's nothing we'll encounter that will cause us to swing back over to the old ways. Most of us, now listen, the truth be told, most of us don't want this kind of message. We want a message on how God's going to change the situation, right? We want a message how he's going to fire your boss and get you a new boss, and he's going he's to fix your situation at home or at work or wherever. But see, that's not what he's going to do. He's going to change us. Because, see, he can change the situation. I, I can be mad on top of the GNO with no traffic up there. Because it's, I'm the same. Until I change me, he's going to change me. He's going to change you. And look what, look what Paul said here. He said, for, for we know that our what? Our old self was what? crucified with him so that this body of sin might be done away with. He said, we crucified that sinful nature of ourselves. We crucified those desires that are counter to what God wants us to do. We crucified that thought of I can just get over here as close to sin as I can and maybe I won't fall off the cliff or whatever. We're crucifying all that so that body of sin might be, that's your anger, your, your, your thoughts that are wicked, your frustrations, your fears. We crucify that old self that we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. See, people that are living that life out there, they're thinking, oh man, I can just do anything I want. No, you can't. You are a slave to sin. You're a slave to the devil. We're going to serve somebody. We can serve God who gives us freedom or we can serve sin that will enslave you 
and take you places you never thought you'd go. He says that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died, been crucified, they've crucified themselves, has been freed from sin. You see, for us to be free, something's got to die. That sinful nature, we've got to crucify that with Jesus. So we put to death some things, some things that are, then we're not slaves to it. We don't want to. We don't want to be living in the wrong tree. We need to. We kind of what we need to do is we got to learn to die well, not physically, but in a spiritual sense. We got to put some things to death. See, Peter got caught swinging from tree to tree, and Paul confronted him. And when you read later on, you know Peter changed. He was he was different. So what do we need to crucify? Well, in Galatians, there's three different places where it talks about cru- crucifying uh, something. And so we're going to look at those. Or You crucify something different each time. So write these down. Number one, you've got to crucify yourself. We already talked about that. He said, for we know our old self was crucified with him. So we're crucifying ourselves, and, uh, and, and so we've got to learn to do that. That's not just a one-time deal. Paul said this. Paul knew the secret of living the crucified life. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I die every day. I die every day. Paul knew that he had some pride. He had some, some maybe some arrogance going on. He, Paul, I mean, he was an educated Jew. He was a smart guy. He was, he was sharp as a tack. He, he, he had a little pride going on. He knew he had to die to himself every single day. He had to die. So he said, I die every day. He said, I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you. Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I die every day. That's the secret. He had, he had this tendency to swing back to his old ways, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we have to choose every day that we're going to live life in the tree of life. Paul knew the secret, and that was to die to himself every single day. I mean, you're basically, when you're doing that, you're saying, Lord, I know somebody's going to mess with me in traffic today. Lord, I know I'm going to have a customer, a client, it's just going to get on my last nerve. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you, one, for strength and to forgive me when I mess up. And, and, and you just humble yourself. So the action step here is actually humility. You can go ahead and write that down. We've got to humble ourselves. We, in John 3.30, John the Baptist said it like this. We must become, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Jesus has got to be greater and greater, and I've got to be less and less. I remember a guy um, used to play for the Washington Redskins. I never liked him because he'd always intercept Archie Manning. But um, Daryl Green, he was a Christian, and he accepted the Bart Starr Award down here. He stood in that podium. He said, I just want to disappear so you can see Jesus. That's humility. That's where we want to be. When, when he said, who do you see in the mirror? And he said, oh, I see me. No, we want to see Jesus. So humility. Number two, we've got to crucify our flesh. We've got to crucify our flesh. That's, that's your old nature. That's those old passions, those desires. We don't need to look back at our sinful days and go, oh, the good old days. No, those were the bad old days. I had a friend of mine, he's been clean and sober for a good long time but he was he was uh, at a place one time he was in drive through at Burger King and uh, and he could see this bar across the street and uh, he said it looked like they're having a pretty good time in there and for a minute he kind of forgot you know many many nights over a toilet and 
He said, they look like they're having a good time. And this real pretty girl comes walking out, and he said, they are having a good time. And all of a sudden, she just bent over and threw her guts up. He said, thank you, Jesus, for reminding me. Those aren't the good old days. We need to look at sin like God looks at sin. So we've got to crucify the flesh. That's those, he said in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, put to death our sinful nature with its passions and desires. That's those desires to live outside of where God wants us to be or to not do the things you know God wants you to do or uh, you know those, those passions that are contrary to what God wants you to do. See, culture tells you to trust your nature. Oh, just, oh man, you just got to be who you were created, you know, who you are. No, you don't. I mean, you know, people, people will say, you know, we, we're a, a culture now that has no sin. They'll say stuff like, oh, man, that's not anger in you. That's just, that's just the Irish in you when you lose your temper and go off on somebody. Or, or, or they'll say, you know what, my daddy was a drunk. I guess I'm going to be a drunk. No, no. Or, or they'll say, well, you know, my mama was always angry. I guess I'm just inherited it from her. I'm always angry. No. Or my daddy was an addict, so I guess I'll, or, or you just fill in the blanks. No. That's not who we are. You don't have to accept your passions and your desires. Let me tell you something. All of us, just say that with me, all of us, if we followed our passions and desires, none of us would be here. We've got to live for Christ. We are crucify those old passions and desires. got to tell culture to take a hike but let me tell you and it may sound hard but let me tell you there's freedom when you're living for God Jesus said you'll know the truth and truth will set you free it's not intellectual truth it's him listen to what Joshua said I love this he said if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you think about that you got friends that think that way if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. See, we get to make a choice. Every day we get to choose today whom we're going to serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. Then he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He decided we're going to serve the Lord. He decided we're going to serve the Lord before he had the temptation not to. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to make that choice. So the action step there is choices, making good choices. Choosing to serve God. That's a decision we get to make. You, do you realize we're the only creation of God that, that can make a decision, that can choose? A dog, he gets an urge, he's going to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? It, 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 we can decide. You know, We get to make decisions. Animals don't. We're created in the image of God. They're not. We can make decisions so we can make choices. Make good choices. Make the next right choice. Just make the next right choice. So we start low with humility. Less of Robert, more Jesus. And then when the devil tempts us, we're going to make a choice, and we're going to make the right choice. We're going to choose to serve the Lord. Number three, we've got to crucify the world. That's our culture. We've got to crucify the world. Paul said, as, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul 
would have had the equivalent of a bunch of PhDs today. He was a smart guy. David Ben-Gurion, the original prime minister of Israel, said that Paul's the biggest threat to modern-day Judaism because he was an educated Jew. He's a smart guy, and he said, I don't ever boast about anything except the cross of Jesus because we really can't brag about anything. It's all about Jesus. And he said, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. That's what we've got to do. For those of you that still want a little bit of this world, and listen, I'm not saying is any... I, we all work. There's nothing wrong with having a car, having a house, or any of that stuff. But he said, we've got to crucify our interest in this world. That stuff's not important. One thing Katrina kind of taught us around here was stuff doesn't matter. All that stuff that we thought mattered, people carried it out to the sidewalks. My interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Crucify that. We crucify the world. Too many people, we let, we let the world into our lives and you get contaminated by it. And you will not live in freedom as long as social media is telling you how to live. You will not live in freedom if you've got to have so many likes on something in Facebook. You will not. You're going to be in bondage. You're going to be miserable. You're not going to have a good marriage if you allow social media to tell you how to have your marriage. I mean, if you let Fifty Shades of Grey and movies like that show you, show you what a relationship is, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You need to crucify the part of you that wants to be part of the world. We crucify the world. I mean, we separate ourselves from the patterns of this world. The patterns of sexual sin, of hatred towards God, of anything but God's definition of marriage, this idea that abortion is okay, it's just birth control. You separate yourself from those ideas of having poor people around as being okay. Those first ones, y'all are like, yeah, yeah, okay, Okay, there's poverty around. We gotta, that's not okay. Greed, gossip. We've got to separate from that stuff. We have to separate from the culture. How do you do that? You minimize the news you watch, and you watch where you get it. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, let me tell you, if you're getting your news off social media, it's wrong. Just don't even. But I really don't know where to tell you to get it, where it'll be right, to be honest. I look at stuff on both sides and try and get in between. But I, I pretty well got during the pandemic to where I watched what our governor was saying, you know, and, uh, and the parish president because what they said had some law with it, you know. But, uh, you know, we've got we've to separate from that. You've got you've to, you know, man, you just got to cut out some TV shows and movies that you might watch, music that you might listen to. Uh, you know, you're not going to live in freedom if culture's telling you how to live. You know, when I first got saved, I got saved as in the 70s, and, and they were right. Some youth groups were real radical. Ours wasn't, but some were. And, uh, and, I mean, they would, like, have secular album-burning parties where they'd bring all their, you know, Doobie Brothers and stuff like that, and they'd burn those old albums and, and things. They were radical, but they were separating from the world. we got to separate. I never had any of those, but. But uh, we got to separate out from the world. I remember there was a guy, I was reading uh, one of Andy Stanley's books, and there was a guy that was in his church 
that had gotten saved, and I forget what the guy's job was, but as he was reading the Bible and discipling, he made an appointment with Andy one day, and he says, he said, Pastor, he said, I think I need to change jobs. And he says, yeah, you do. I was just waiting for God to tell you. Because he was doing something that wasn't a godly job, and he needed to change. But you know what? God's the one that did that. So we got to crucify our desire for the world. We've got to make a break with the culture of today. Now, we all have to have a line. I don't know where that line is for you. I mean, for some people, it, it, it'd be here, and others, it'll be a little more to It's going to be different. But you've got to have a line in the sand that you're not going to cross, that you're not going to cross. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6. He said this, therefore, come out. Come out from among unbelievers. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying you don't need to be hanging out with unbelievers all the time. Now, we all have businesses, and we're going to be around unbelievers for the reason of leading them to faith in Christ. Let me tell you, some of y'all that work around non-Christians, you're put in that spot to be a witness. But those aren't your close friends. Those aren't your close friends. We've got we to gotta, we gotta break with that. We've got to come out. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was in a small group of guys, about 10 of us. And, and what that meant was I stopped hanging out all the time with some friends of mine that didn't commit their life to Christ that were still wanting to go out and party and do things that I knew God didn't want me to do. So I stopped hanging out with them, and I was hanging out with these 10 guys. And man, we were getting into the Word of God. We were doing Bible studies. We were, I mean, it was fantastic. And we iron sharpened iron, and we grew. So we've got to come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we've got to come out. We've got to, put, we've got to crucify some things. We've got to crucify ourselves. We've got to crucify uh, our desires, that desire to be like the world. There's an action step for this one, separation. We've got to separate. We've got to separate. So humility, making right choices, and then separation. That's how we're going to live a crucified life. Power of the Holy Spirit doing that through us. Humility, we've got to come humbly. We've got to make choices. We've got to separate out. And that's tough. I mean, in, in addiction work, they say you've got to change your people, places, and things. That's a separating out. That's a coming out, guys. You can't go back to where you were. Nor can any of y'all. We can't go back to where we were. We've got to come out of that. We've got to come out of that. I want you to bow your heads.